Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. Everybody doing well? Yeah. It's kind of like it's just really nice, kind of a cool harvest, fall morning. Everybody's got your coffee and just kind of chilling and all that good stuff. Good, good, good. No one's excited, super excited about anything, about the 49er game today that we're going to win. Did you guys watch the game Monday night at all? No? No? This is all quiet. I have a Vikings fan that said yes. And so, wow, God's in revival's taking place. And uh, so it is great to see you. It's great to be here. It's great to, to this, this is going to be a great week. I, I'm not just saying that lightly, but um, I really do. It's one of those things where uh, I was listening to what Ryan was saying uh, just a few minutes ago. And it's just true. I, I really feel like that this is a season where I'm just supposed to be obedient and make room. And, uh, and if it's me and Ryan that shows up, then no one and the guest speakers will have a great time. But if, yeah, I, I, I just think it's one of those opportunities. And, and, I, and what I'm hearing from the various campuses is that God is stirring and moving. The last service that was just here, and I believe God's going to do the same thing here, the front was just filled with people that were just really hungry. And um, uh, I, I've never done, I mean, we've never done this quite like this before uh, in the almost two decades uh, here at Life Church, and uh, but it's one of those things where I just think God is really at work. And so, again, I just want to encourage you: come and be a part. Uh, maybe even the Appleton campus, uh, the Thursday night service. Myself uh, and the staff, spouses, kids. We've we've rented a motor coach. We're going to Appleton, uh, and so we're all going to be there. We're going to be at every service every night. We're going to do this. this is going to be a great fun time. And uh, we're going to, you know, carve up before, right? Because then you're going to have good church. Amen. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but you will. Some of it's going to be fun for me just to sit over on the side and watch some of you because this is going to be great. And then we'll, we'll go out to eat afterwards because that's what you got to do. You got re- to kind of replenish your, your, your system. But it's going to be a good time and uh, it's going to be good to have you. And I, I want to talk to you today kind of in this continued series of If Then. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to give you some other verses all throughout. It's kind of a topical message a bit, but, but I want to talk to you about this. Because in Scripture, it talks about this, if we will do this, then God will show up. And if we'll do this, then God will show up. And again, I'm talking about this last week, this week, and next weekend. Because I think this is what this road trip revival is all about. This is what this week of spiritual saturation, this week of kind of a spiritual uh, kind of awakening for our own souls is all about. Is if we'll set aside time and if we'll seek God, then, then God will show up. And if we won't, then, you know, God's a gentleman. He's not going to, nothing bad's going to happen to you. I was raised in church, and it was always kind of these fear tactics. And this is not what this is about. I do believe, though, that the goodness and the grace of God is flowing and moving in such a way that God is doing some amazing things. And he's going to do it today, and he's going to do it tomorrow night at, at the Appleton, excuse me, at the Brookfield campus at 630. And Chad Brugman's going to be there. Fantastic communicator. Incredible testimony. I'm telling you. All four of these speakers were four people that God laid on my heart, and the fact that we were able to get them in the sequence that we did, which is really what God put, kind of put on my heart, is amazing. And so he's going to be here to, to, to preach and do a great word. You don't want to miss it. I'm telling and I know Calhoun Road is torn up because they're, they're making a four-lane in front of it. So disregard the road, road closed signs, right? I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. Drive through somebody's yard and just go, I don't know what I'm doing. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I did that. Um, so, but, but you're going to be able to get there. We'll make sure it all works and happens and everything. But it's going to happen. And then Tuesday night at the Milwaukee campus, 
Al Toledo from, from uh, Chicago Tabernacle. Al has an incredible testimony, incredible word. He's going to be there, and we've got it set up for overflow there. And we've got parking, uh, some parking, so first come, first serve, because there's only six par- parking spots that we own because it's in the city. But we've got a parking lot across the street, so again, be there for that. It's going to be a great time. Wednesday night here with Sammy Rodriguez, we have plenty of parking. Uh, it's going to be a great time. And then uh, Thursday night at Appleton with Alton Garrison, we're going to kind of close it out. But um, if we'll do what God says for his, what his word says for us to do, then God will show up in our lives. But sometimes we don't do what we're supposed to do. We want God to do what he's supposed to do. It doesn't work that way. Uh, you know, and so how does it work? It works real simple. It's if and then. So if you have your Bibles, we, we, we're, we're, we're in the second week of this series. And 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people, that's you, who are called by my name, that's you, will humble themselves. We talked about that last weekend. Humble means to bow down. To, to, it's where we get the theology and the ideology of kneeling in an altar. If we will humble ourselves physically, make ourselves low, and pray and seek my face. That's what we're going to talk about today. And turn from their wicked ways. We'll talk about that next weekend. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. When we pray, first of all, God hears. If you're taking notes, you can just write that down. When we pray, God hears. This is something that, again, I, I can't, I, this is simple, but, but sometimes I think we cognitively, we, we, you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, but you don't really believe it in your heart. You get it cognitively, but, but, but get it in your heart. How is it that God can hear seven or eight billion people on the planet at any given time when they call out to him? I, I don't know. All I know is that I'm finite, which means I have a beginning and an ending. I'm limited. But he is limitless. He is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no end. There is no beginning or end to his power. There is no beginning or end to his, his ability. There is no beginning or end to, to, to the scope of, of which he has the ability to, to do. And his word simply says to us that if we will pray, he'll hear. He'll listen to us. We, we, we know, psychologists tells us and, tell us and studies show that when we pray, it's cathartic for us. It, 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 it's, it's kind of a, even if it's just kind of an emotional dump, it, it's kind of this, this getting it out. It, it, it helps lower, lower our, our RPMs. It, it, it lowers our blood pressure. It, 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 it lowers our stress. But, but this is not just about you. If it's just about you, then you could do any type of, of chanting or meditation or breathing exercises or any kind of an app that will help you calm yourself or, or bring yourself down. But, but this is not about you. This is about the fact that when you pray, when you get before yourself, when you humble yourself, when you get before the Lord and you begin to pray, you begin to talk to God, you begin to, to, to get everything out, you, you begin to lay everything out, you begin to, to tell him what your fears are, what your concerns are, what your frustrations are, what your hopes are, what your dreams are. When you cast your cares upon him, he hears. He, he's not just, just doing it for your benefit, he's listening. And he's not just listening just because he, he has an auditory ability to listen. He's listening because he's going to do something about it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, his, the Bible, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So whenever you're praying... 
When you come today at the end of this service and you move from your seat and you come to find a place of prayer, when you come to the road trip revival and tomorrow night when, 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 when Chad is done speaking and you move from your seat and you come to find a place of prayer, when, when Thursday you're, you're at the Appleton campus and you do that, when, 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 you're, when you're driving along in your freeway at the, at the, at the, in the, the, on your way to work in the morning or, 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 or you're dropping the kids off and you're going back home after soccer practice, whenever you're talking to God, whenever you're praying, whatever you're doing, God Here's you. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from Chicago during the third great awakening said this, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure, to someone who's praying. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When we pray, God hears. Secondly, when we pray, God heals. When we pray, God heals heals. He doesn't just hear us. He doesn't just listen, but he begins to move. He begins to work. Look at verse John chapter 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he, God, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Faithful. He'll do it every single time. Just. He has the ability and the power to forgive you and I of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God doesn't just hear you. God heals you from the inside out. God forgives you of your sins. God gives you a fresh mindset. God gives you a fresh start. He gives you the ability now to be able to, to overcome everything that you're facing and what you're facing. You go, well, sometimes, man, I, I, I pray, but it doesn't just happen. No. You know, God's not some cosmic, cosmic ATM that if you just push in the code and you hit what you want, you're going to get it. it. It's a deal of, no, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, and we began to cast our cares upon him. We began to communicate to him the, the, the desires of our heart, the, the depths of our heart, the sin of our heart, the depravity of our heart. When we get really honest with God, then God begins to do a work in us. Sometimes that work is instantaneous. Boom, it's just right there. Sometimes it's a process. What's the difference? Well, instantaneous is it's like, boom, I, I come to the, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could just pray and you ask God to, to like just help you lose weight? And, and you just come to the altar and I tell you, just hold on to your belt loops and I just lay my hands on you in Jesus' name and boom, you could drop 20 pounds. But you have to hold on your pants because gonna, they're going to drop to the floor if you don't. Wouldn't that be awesome? No, you skinny people are getting on my nerves. Are there any fat people like me in the room? Like, that'd be amazing. But it doesn't work that way. You know why? Because as soon as you left here, you'd walk right down the sidewalk to China Kitchen and it's buffet time, baby. I've got extra room. Right? Some of you have done this before. Okay, so the point that I'm making to you is, is that sometimes there's a process that's involved. But it doesn't mean that God's not working. It means God's taking us along day by day, moment by moment. He's not leaving us. He's not forsaking us. But he's building us. He's developing us. But he is working. And sometimes it's instantaneous. And sometimes it's, it's progressive. It's just kind of this process. And you look back and you kind of go, wow, God was there then and then and then. But in the moment, it's hard for me to see it. But when I get some altitude on the situation, I kind of get above the problems on the situation, all of a sudden I begin to see what God's doing. Ian Bounds, a great theologian, said it this way, part of the blame lies at our door. If we do our part, this is the if and then, then God will do his. Around us is a world lost in sin, and above us is a God who is willing to save 
It's ours to build a bridge that links heaven to earth. And prayer is a mighty instrument that does that work. Again, when we pray, God hears, God heals. And when we pray, the devil trembles. This is important. The devil trembles. Satan himself, when we began to pray, it it, it shakes him to his very core. When Jesus and the Gospels, as, as it's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, he teaches us to pray. Remember that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For here's the kingdom and the power of the Lord forever. Why does he talk about deliver us from the evil one in that? Because here's what he knows. Prayer is a primary way that we receive God's help in overcoming the devil. Prayer is a primary way that we receive God's help in overcoming the schemes of the devil. Prayer is a primary way that we overcome the temptation and the trials and the tribulation that beset all of us. Everybody in this room, you deal with something. Superman had kryptonite. I don't know what your kryptonite is, but everybody has some sin, some something, something that's appealing to you that is a highway to hell. I don't mean to take an ACDC theologian song right there, but you know what I'm saying? Like just, it's just kind of there. And the reality of it is, is that when I began to pray, it shakes Satan to his core. The Bible says at the very mention of, of the name of Jesus, that every devil in hell tremble. Because they know the power in the name of Jesus. When you read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus begins his earthly ministry, and he's casting out devils. The devils begin to call him for who he is, and he shuts their mouths and gets them out and silences them. Why? Because he was not yet, the Bible says, ready to reveal who he was to everyone. But they knew who he was, the Messiah, the Son of God. Their very ending was the reason why he came. Albert Richardson said this, that Satan laughs at our toiling and mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when you and I begin to pray. The greatest weapon against the evil one is effective, fervent prayers of the righteous one. When you and I begin to pray, Satan himself knows that that's the thing that moves. That's the thing that changes. That's the thing that begins to to, to change the situation. Look, look, here's the deal. You're all facing things, and I'm facing things, and we all come into this room with different stuff and with different burdens and different things that we're carrying. But when we began to give that to the Lord and we began to pray in the very name of Jesus, hell itself shakes because it knows the power that's there. It's more powerful than anything else in the world, anything else that you can imagine, because it's the power in the name of Jesus. Think about this. I mean, every time that a pastor, a reverend is asked to pray at a public event, nine times out of 10, you get this conversation by whomever is leading the event. We'd like for you to close in prayer. We'd like for you to open in prayer. We'd like for you to pray a prayer dedication. But if it would be okay with you, we'd rather not for you to pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's something about that name. When you began to pray in the name of Jesus, it denotes that there is one who is preeminent. There is one who, who is supreme. There is, one, there is none other around him. It, it, it begins to denote the fact of the power of who he is. I mean, think about it. You, you don't hear swear words with, with other, other individuals that, that, that claim to be God. No one says that. But they like to use Jesus' name a lot. 
Because Satan himself knows if he can try to downgrade it and profane it and do this, he can, try to, he can try to soften it, he can try to cast it out, he can try to marginalize it. But the truth of the matter is when you and I who are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus, when we began to pray, when God's people who are called by his name began to humble themselves and pray, he knows that earth is about to be changed by what God's going to do in heaven. And it completely wrecks his plans on your life, on your kids' lives, on the cities and the nation and the world in which we live in. Last thing is when we pray, hope arises. When we pray, hope arises. When we pray God hears, when we pray God heals, when we pray Satan himself is, is scared, but when we pray hope arises, Psalm 105 verses one through four says, oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name and make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works, glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord with strength, in his strength, and seek his presence continually. When you and I begin to pray, there's this divine exchange. When we give God our fear, uh, he gives us faith. When we give God our weariness, uh, he gives us his strength. When we give God our worries, he gives us his peace. This is what happens. This is the reason why prayer is so powerful. This is the reason why all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, that the Word commands us to pray. It's not just cathartic for you, but what happens is there's a divine exchange. As you begin to cast your cares upon the Lord, He begins to fill you. As you begin to give Him the fear of what you're dealing with, of what you're facing, of what your family's facing, of what's ahead of you, or or what you're in the middle of, all of a sudden, faith begins to arise in your heart. When when, when you give God your weariness, when when, when you give God your, your everything that's just draining you, all of a sudden he gives you strength in that moment. When you give him your worries of what you're worried about tomorrow and next week and next year, what's going to happen here, there, all of a sudden there's peace that passes understanding. How does the peace and the faith and the strength happen? It happens when you begin to pray. 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 This reason why as soon as this, this road trip revival is over, the very next week on Monday night at Brookfield, uh, the Brookfield campus and Wednesday night here at the Germantown campus and the Appleton campus and the Milwaukee campus, we're going to, from 6.30 to 7.30, just have a time of prayer and a season of prayer. It's something that we're going to begin to just do because there's a divine exchange. There's a divine exchange of what's happening. So here's how I want to end today. I really feel like that what God is doing is, um, and I've never used this phrase before. It kind of just came out of my mouth last service. It wasn't even quite in my notes. And, uh, but I think it's prophetic. And I don't talk like that. I don't use that. I don't play the God card. Again, I was raised in church, and I try not to use what I call Christianese or Christian lingo. Uh, just try to explain things and, you know, where it's like an insider language. And if you've not been raised in church and you're not around, you have no clue what's going on. But I really do believe that what God's doing in our midst is for your benefit individually and your family. But I also think it's for our community, for our city, for us and the people that we're around. And, and, and as I'm processing through all of this and doing all of this, again, I felt like very strong in my heart that we were just supposed to set aside a week, a time, that we were just supposed to kind of consecrate ourselves, just kind of set that time apart, give you an opportunity 
really not for you to invite other people. You can. But to come together and like when we do tomorrow night at the Brookfield campus at 630, we'll have praise and worship. They'll be preaching. And we're going to respond in an altar time without a close. So if you're on a tight schedule, you can slip in, slip out. You know, you, you can just slip right out. If you get too convicted, you, you can slip out. Amen. Everybody's like, I don't know if I should laugh at that or not. It's okay. Um, but you can sit and you can just stay and pray. Because here's what I think is happening. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Samuel. Now, Samuel is an interesting individual to me because he was one of the judges. There were 13 judges in the history of Israel, but he's one of the judges. And his job was to be the voice piece of God to the nation of Israel. And God wanted Israel to be set apart. They're, they're set apart, but he wanted them from the other nations to be set apart because he didn't want them to have an earthly king that they could point to to say, that's our king. He wanted Israel to serve him and he would have a, an individual that would basically be his mouthpiece to the nation, but not a king, just a man of God who would speak the words of God. Samuel was one of those judges, one of those leaders. Samuel has an interesting history because his mother's name is Hannah. And the Bible says that Hannah prayed unto the Lord. She was barren and she conceived a son. And when she did, she knew that that son was to be given to the Lord. And so it's the first time in the Old Testament, the first time in Scripture that we see a child being dedicated unto the Lord. It's kind of the beginning basis of our theology of baby dedications. And the Bible says that she takes her son Samuel and she brings him to the high priest, Eli, in Shiloh. And she says, for the son I have prayed and God has answered my prayer and I return this gift back to the Lord. It'll be Samuel that when he's somewhere around eight, nine, 10 years of age, he's living there at, 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 in Shiloh at Eli's house. And he, Eli's married, he has children. But Samuel's set apart in the middle of the night, he comes and knocks on the door of, e, of Eli's room. And he says, the high priest, and he says, what, what do you need from me? You called for me. He said, son, I didn't call for you. Go back to bed. He wakes yet again, and he said, you, you called for me. And he said, no, I didn't call for you, son. The third time, he says, I, he understood what was happening. God spoke to Eli, the high priest, and said, I'm, I'm speaking to him. He said, son, when you hear that voice, it's the voice of the Lord. Just simply say, here, here am I, Lord. Speak for your servant hears. Man, at a tender age, don't ever think that God can't speak to your kids. God can do anything he wants to do. God has his hand on your children's lives in a way that you can't even imagine. And Samuel becomes this mighty man of God, full of faith and promise. And as this leader, he will, he will first of all, anoint in that, in that role, he'll anoint the nation of Israel with oil. So in those times, they would take a, the horn of an animal, which symbolized power. So a horn was used to, to begin wars with. A horn was used to summons the, the power and the preeminence of, of whoever was leading that nation. For Israel, because their, their, their God was not a man, their God was not, their king was not a man, it was, it was Jehovah, Yahweh, the God. They would take that horn and they would fill it with oil. And the oil would symbolize the presence of God and the horn symbolized power as it did with any other nation. 
And the man of God, in this case, Samuel, would anoint the nation of Israel and bless them and pray a blessing over them. But the Bible says that the nation of Israel rose up against Samuel and said, we don't want you. We want a king. We want to be like everybody else. And God speaks to Samuel and says, don't be deterred by this. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. The second anointing that would have happened is Samuel and his priestly duties as, as father would have anointed his children, every single one of them, the same way you do and I do as, as in a baby dedication. And the Bible says, and as Samuel's sons grew up, they didn't follow his ways. There's nothing like being a minister and having children that don't follow the Lord. There's nothing like raising your kids in church and them following away from God. And you go, what did I do? What, what, what did we say? That's Samuel. The third anointing that, that the scripture records that Samuel does is when he will take that horn of oil under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, of, under God's direction, and he will anoint Saul, king of Israel. Now Saul, the Bible says on the outward appearance, he'd look like a, a, a you know, like, like, a, like a D1 quarterback. I mean, he, he would be 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds, all lean, muscle, bright smile, firm handshake, has a certain amount of a swagger. When he walked into the room, he was regal and presidential, and people looked upon him because of his stature. It's the reason why God will later say, don't look on the outer appearance the way man does, but I look on the heart because Samuel's heart was far away from God. But Samuel, excuse me, Saul's heart was far away from God. Samuel would anoint him as king of Israel because the Lord instructed him to do so. And yet it would fail. So three of the most important things that he'll do in his life are utter failures. Yet he's called by God and he's called at a young age by God and he has a dynamic story, yet he's failed. And I wonder how many of us here today go, I've been serving God for a long time, but I just feel empty. I've raised my kids in church, but they're not all serving God. And I just feel a little bit depleted. Hang with me for a minute. I'm going somewhere. I wonder how many of us would say, I really thought God would have done this by now or that by now. And I, and I prayed to it. I just, I'm just kind of in a dry season. Aaron, I, I don't know how to explain this. And maybe you say, well, I'm just not emotional like you are, Aaron. That's okay. God doesn't deal with emotion. Emotion is completely based on your preference, your personality, how God hardwires you. Man, there's, there's some things that have happened and I'm kind of hard right now and I'm just kind of upset. Maybe you're mad at God. I, I don't know. Maybe you feel like you've done what he asked you to do and it hasn't really worked out. Maybe it's really not all the ROI that you thought it would be. Maybe it's not, it's not everything that you thought. Maybe you feel like you've tried and you've completely crashed and burned. Maybe there was a call of God on your life and you did something or said something and it completely went sideways. And you feel just like Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Your horn, the power of your life is empty. And everything you've done that you thought God wanted you to do or that you've tried just seems like it just doesn't work. For Samuel, the nation turns his back on him as a leader. So professionally, he's rejected. 
His children don't serve God. His family has rejected him. Personal rejection. And the most prolific thing he's going to do, which is anoint the next king of Israel, doesn't work out. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. In that moment, then the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. These are the words. Fill your horn with oil and go. And I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. This is the word that I think God has for us in this season. How long will you grieve over the rejections of the past? How long will you grieve over the sins of your youth? How long will you grieve over that son or that daughter that you just, you're you, you, they're not following God and God keeps telling you, just trust me, but you just try to get involved. How long will you grieve over your mistakes? How long will you grieve over giving God a Heisman? How long will you push the Holy Spirit away? Because somebody's in this room and you know who Jesus is and you were raised and you get it. And I don't need to, I don't need to point you to any, any illustrations. You know exactly. Exactly, but your heart is so hard, but there's some part, there's a crack that's there and you just don't want to give in. How long will you grieve over what's happened in the past? Because your horn's empty. There's no presence of God. There's no flow of the Holy Spirit. There's, there, 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 there's no power left in your life. You, you've got this car with no gasoline. You've got this stove with no fire. You're the shell of who God's called you to be because there's no presence, there's no oil. And God says to you, I want you to go and I want you to fill your horn with oil. I want you to take your life. I want you to humble yourself before me and I want you to pray and I want you to seek me. And if you'll humble yourself and if you'll pray, I will show up. I'll bring your sons and your daughters home. I'll show up. I'll restore. I don't care that they think that you're a failure. I don't think, care that you think that everything you've done is for naught. And that every single time you've done what you thought was right, it's rejected and rejected and rejected. But this time is different. I'm going to do something. Take your horn, fill it up, and go. And he does exactly what God tells him to do. And he pushes beyond his history, he pushes beyond his past, he pushes beyond his rejection, he pushes beyond his professional failures, he pushes beyond his personal disappointments, and he does what God asked of him to do. And he fills his horn up with oil, because it was empty, and he goes to Jesse's house, and he waits as they parade one by one the sons in front of him. Nope, 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 nope. Finally, he says, do you not have any other sons? He says, I have but one. But he's a nobody. On the backside of the field, taking care of the sheep. Some theologians would say that David was a bastard child. He was illegitimate. He was born out of an affair that was just, he was marginalized. We know about what he did and where he was and how the order in which he was brought before Samuel, how he was viewed. And Samuel says to Jesse, I will not sit down and I will wait for this son of yours before he comes in. 
I love this. And the Bible says that David comes in and he stands before him. And he says, this, this is the next king of Israel. Because God doesn't look on the outer appearance the way man does. That's what happened with Saul. But God looks on the heart. And he takes that horn of oil and he anoints him. See, the first time he failed, the second time it didn't take, the third time, but no, 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 this. Think if, if, Jesse, if, if, if Samuel had said, no, I can't do this. You don't understand. People think I'm a, I'm a fake. They think I'm a flop. They, they, they just, you, you don't understand. I'm, my, my own kids don't follow God. How can I be God's man? How can I do what God's called me to do? There's, there's no way. You just don't get this. If he had not anointed David, king of Israel, that would usher, David's anointing is what ushered in Jesus Christ as the Messiah because it would be through the house of David, through the lineage of David, that Jesus is born. Do you understand without that moment, there is no Messiah in that pattern. But God chose to take a man who was humbled enough to say, I'm empty and, and, and I'm broken and, and this didn't work here and it doesn't seem like it's working here, it doesn't seem like it's working here, but God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna humble myself and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna take my horn and I'm gonna let you fill it up with your oil and I'm gonna go and do what you've called me to do and I'm gonna trust you. And that day forward, David became king of Israel. And as you read the lineage of the genealogy of Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, that's how Jesus gets here. So today, here's what I, I sense in my own heart and, and, uh, and what we're doing at every single campus. is in just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask you to stand before we even pray. You're not responding to me. No one stands. That's between you and God. That's not my business. But I think there are people here today that, man, your horn is empty. The presence of God is non-existent. Oh, at some point in time, you encountered God, but, but it's been a long time and, and you're empty. Some of you, you're, you're broken because of what's happening in your family. Some of you are broken because of failures and because of perceived failures. And some of you are broken because you feel like, man, I have screwed up so many times that I just can't do this again. And here's what I'm saying is, is I feel like in this season for us as a church, that God wants to show up and God wants to pour out his spirit and God wants to fill you up for you to go and do what he's called you to do. That's what this is all about. But it's only gonna happen if you will humble yourself before him and you'll ask him to do that, then I believe he's gonna do that. So in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you, if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to stand in just a minute. I'm just gonna tell you everything I'm gonna do so nothing weird was going on. You don't go like, hey man, this is my first time here. I don't know really what's happening. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And by saying, hey, that's me, man. That's me. I, I, my, my, my horn is empty. I want all that God has. I need to get things right with God. I, 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 I've got to deal with some things. Or maybe things are right, but you're going, man, I want to press in. I want all that God has. I don't know why, but in a moment, you're going to stand. And people are going to stand all across this room. And then here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, the band's going to be here. And they're just going to lead us in a simple worship chorus. And as they lead us in that worship chorus, and we've said amen, I'm going to ask you to physically 
quickly do what we've been talking about today, the if and the then, for you to move from your seat, change a pace, change a place, change a perspective, for you to move from your seat and for you to physically come and humble yourself, to kneel and to give it to God. You don't need me to pray for you. You've got a great high priest that's touched with the feelings of your infirmity. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is here. He's listening. Remember, God hears when you pray. God will heal you when you pray. We're going to shake heaven and earth and Satan himself will be trembling because of what you're going to pray. And there's going to be hope that's going to be released in your life because the horn of your life is going to be filled with the presence of God. It's not going to be filled with you. It's not going to be filled with me. It's not going to be filled with life church. It's going to be filled with the presence of God and the peace of God that passes understanding and the joy that only comes from him and the faith that only comes from him is going to begin to be restored in your life. And so we're going to do this today. And this is going to happen this entire week. The question isn't, is God going to do this? The question is, is are you going to receive it? That's your choice, not mine. So if that's you today, you go, man, Aaron, I want all that God has. Maybe uh, I want you to stand. If you, if you go, hey, I just, I want, right now, right where you are, if you go, man, that's me, I, my horn is empty, I, I, I want everything, thanks. I want everything that God has for me. I, 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 I want to give it to him, I want to surrender it to him. If that's you, I want you to stand right where you are, just right now, right where you are, I just want you to stand. If you don't, that's fine. No one's going to pressure you, but I want to give you an opportunity to say, man, I want everything. I, I, my, my horn is empty. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is where I am. This is the deal. I'm not asking you to respond to me emotionally. I'm just asking you to give it all to the Lord. And don't tell me we in Wisconsin don't do this. I was at Monday night's game and when those F-15s came across and we sang the national anthem, that place erupted for a football game. Anyone else? And that's me, I want all that God has. I'm gonna pray when I say amen, I'm gonna ask you to move from your seat and I'm gonna ask you to come and find a place to pray. Because again, that's what it says. Hey, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, just come and move from where you are and just begin to give it to the Lord. Father, I just thank you today, right now in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the presence of the Holy Spirit that's in this place. And I pray, oh God, as our horns are empty, Lord, fill us again. God, do a work in our lives again. Lord, if there's sin in our life that we need to get right with you as we come before you, we just read it. You're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we'll just ask. Lord, if, 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 if we're broken because of things that are happening in our life and in our world, oh God, we give you that. God, the pain of rejection. Lord, the, 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 the failed professional uh, attempts. God, the, the, the calling that's upon our life that we wonder, is it still intact? Oh God, the purpose and the plan that we just feel like we keep hitting a wall. Oh God, I just pray in these next few moments, as we move from where we're standing and we come and we find a place to pray, I just pray, God, that you, Lord, would show up. God, that you would do what your word says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and repent and turn from their wicked ways, then will they hear from heaven. Oh God, feel our horns up. God, fill us with your presence. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, do a work in our hearts and our lives. And these next few moments,
moments that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Now I'm gonna invite you right now, those of you that are standing, maybe you should be standing, to come and to move from where you are. Just come and find a place to pray. Just move right out of your seat. Maybe this is the first time you've done this, but to move from where you are and just come and pray. Just come and whatever it is, just give it to the Lord. If it's your kids, give it to the Lord. If it's your marriage, give it to the Lord. If it's your own soul, give it to the Lord. If it's your job, give it to the Lord. If it's sin, give it to the Lord. If it's fear or worry or anxiety, give it to the Lord. If it's just, I want more of Jesus, God, fill me again. Just renew me again. If it's a fresh touch in the Lord, just give it to Him right where you're standing, right where you're sitting, right where you're kneeling. Just come and find a place to pray as the band leads us in this song in Jesus' name.